Sports Business Journal's SBJ Presents Podcast, featuring industry experts, insight, and perspective on the issues impacting the business of sports. This three-part series is sponsored by the Mark H. McCormick Department of Sport Management in the Eisenberg School of Management at UMass Amherst. In our first episode, Fueling the Future, The Rise of Women's Sports, we're joined by Zaleen Jan Muhammad, Head of Commercial Development and Innovation, and Lauren Young, Senior Associate at the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Properties. Well, thanks to both of you for joining us. I'd like to start by maybe taking the temperature here on efforts to increase visibility, funding, research, and resources to women's sport development, equity, and amplification. Where do we stand, Lauren? Yeah, so it's a really good place to start. And I think it begins with a lot of the the female athletes who are really taking control of this narrative and leaning in, right? I think I scrolling on social media, it's a new platform that is allowing female athletes to own the space, own their brand and own their voices. And through that, they're amplifying the importance of women in sports, right? Both on and off the field. They're establishing a new standard among their fans. They're engaging those fans in a very authentic manner. And they understand that, you know, them participating in professional sports, right, is a lot more than just that, right? They do represent a lot of the women who work behind the scenes and who are interested, who have been athletes, you know, maybe not athletes, but athletics have been an important part of them who are interested in this space. And so I think, you know, again, athletes are are the core of it. They're leading that charge. And quite frankly, they're just growing allyship and awareness through their actions. I think they're also bringing attention to the fact that there's a ton of money in the space, right? They've known it. That's why they're in it. We all know it. That's why we're in it. But they're they're making sure that the rest of the world knows too. And I think the world is paying attention now. The uh, ROI is probably significantly high as we continue to invest in women's sports. The opportunity is tremendous. Um, and I think that's pulling people's attention in a different way, right? There's viewership for sure. But now we're thinking through the business side of it. And that's super important. Z, how about you? Yeah, I, Lauren answered this question really well. You know, I think for me, when I look at the industry, and I've been in it now for a really long time, it is so amazing for me to see the investment that is happening in a place where, frankly, I think it should have happened decades ago. And I think Lauren's perspective that it is female athletes that have realized their responsibility in this area to actually move us forward. We needed people with voices to actually help us do that. And so from my perspective, the investment and focus is happening in two areas, right? It is how do we encourage and enable more women and females and girls to play? And how do we allow for women to consume in more ways that are authentic to them than, you know, have happened before? You know, another female athlete that has really kind of used her voice and her brain in this area is a good friend of mine. Her name's Angela Ruggiero, you know, founder and CEO of the Sports Innovation Lab. And, and they released a report around why investing in women's sports is necessary and what actually makes a difference. And the important insight there is, you know, this isn't specific to women only, right? As fans participate, people participate and fans consume their needs in that consumption patterns are different today and will be different in the future than they were when I was growing up, right? They want an authentic story. They want to be able to engage 
in a way where it means something, it's purposeful for them. And women's sports actually authentically allow this to happen. And so there's this really interesting tie of like what society wants today and where women's sports actually provide that access that maybe never existed before. And so I think this is just going to grow. I think that the investments that you're seeing so far in women-owned startups are going to increase. I think the investments you're seeing in women's leagues, what we've seen around the NWSL, the Premier Hockey Federation, the WNBA, those are just initial signs of where this industry is going to go and the continued focus on women's sports. Yeah, no question. Now, UMass Amherst is offering a first-of-its-kind women in business course that was intentionally constructed to create space, critical thinking, and to set it off within the McCormick Department's top-ranked graduate program. Z, could you share more on this initiative? And Lauren, I'd like to get your perspective here as well. Yeah, sure. This one, Brian, means so much to me. I graduated from that program you know, a few years ago and, you know, I've made my way through the industry at different in different spots. And UMass came to me a couple of years ago now, and we were talking about, you know, the industry in general, fundraising, as most universities will do. And I said, listen, like, I owe so much of my career to what UMass brought to me in that time of my life. But, you know, what got me to UMass is not going to be what the next generation of female leaders need. And I, and I want to be a part of that solution. And so, you know, right there in like a juice bar, we started to ideate on what women who are coming up in their careers in this industry actually need. And, you know, my opinion was the need is in two different places. Number one, it's just some of it is just confidence, right? It's just giving people, giving women that intangible skill set, like that I belong in this conversation. I have enough capacity in my brain to provide a thoughtful opinion. I know how to raise my voice when I need to raise it. I know how to state a very clear opinion and I have the confidence to do so. So some of it was just intangible, you know, provision of an intangible skill set and guidance in that area. The other side of the house was a very tangible skill set that I felt maybe wasn't lacking, but just needed to be promoted more and addressed more directly. And that is the skill set around strategic thinking, around analytics, around an area within the industry that has just been receiving so much more visibility as you know, organizations really have to think about the ROI and the value of their investments. There is a there is a need in the sports industry to be able to analyze data to be able to come up with really strategically sound recommendations on where that organization or that property or that team needs to go to be able to meet future objectives, future demands. And, you know, I had to kind of build this skill set throughout my career. And I was very fortunate to have people who were, who were able to teach me that. I wanted to teach that to that generation, the younger generation, before they even got into the workforce. And so it was this combination of like, how do we create a curriculum that can provide both. And, you know, credit goes to UMass because from juice bar to curricula, like it was a matter of months that they were like, okay, we're in, let's do this. And I think within a six month period, it was a program and a curriculum being offered to students. And so I've heard great feedback. Lauren will make this either honest or or not with me because she speaks to those students, but I've heard great feedback on that program. I've taught in that program. I've had really good friends, close friends that I've taught in that program as well. 
And I hope that it actually grows. And it's not just one course that we're doing anymore. It's, it's multiple and different types of courses that speak to a very specific demographic. Yeah, so you're making it up as you go, right? And now for Lauren, it's there, right? What's it like for you, Lauren? Yeah, so um, unfortunately, I uh, I think it sounds like I missed that opportunity by about six months. The good news is that I get to live that course every single day of work. So that's wonderful. Um, but I do wish it was something that had existed when I was at UMass. And as you mentioned, I've had the chance to to be in that course, to you know lead some students. And first of all, I, I do think it's doing exactly what Z had intended, right? There's something to be said about having women in your program for sure, but there's another level to it where you are really fostering and investing and cultivating and providing the resources behind it, right? So that's what the program is for. That's what the course is for. And it brings in individuals from across the industry to share that experience, to share what it means to be living and breathing in this space and how to navigate it, quite frankly, as a woman, right? And there are some skill sets that transcend gender for sure. Um, but there are also certain experiences and there's also certain, you know, there is an added benefit to seeing it, right? And to hearing from it and to understand how other people have gotten there and the skill sets that you can pick up and learn from. I think it also shows that it doesn't have to be just one role, right? To Z's point, right? We have women who sit across the industry in a number of different functions, whether it's a strategy function like ours, partnerships, sales, operations, right? There's pieces of the industry that any woman can access, right? And that's the whole point, I think, of the course. So it's something that, yes, I absolutely wish I had been a part of. So Z, if you could have had that juice bar conversation a little bit earlier, that would have been great. <laughs> but, uh, but it's making a difference. And again, I think seeing and being in that course and having that experience facilitated is pretty critical to a student experience, right? You can assume it's getting done or you can make sure that it's getting done. I'm curious, as the father of three daughters who are actively involved in sports and, and coming up, uh, you know, how important it is to have woman-to-woman -woman mentorship uh, throughout your time in sports and entertainment. Maybe relate your experience and share how women can be positive mentors for another. Yeah, Brian, I'll start with this one. There is no way I would be where I am today in my career without the female mentors that I have. There would also be no way that I would be in the place that I am in my career without male mentors. I've been very, very lucky to have both. The female ones for me, to Lauren's point when she was answering the previous question, provide me with just a different type of insight on how to show up in a room where I need to have confidence and where I'm permitted, have capacity to, right? They give me just a different type of pep talk to do things that maybe I wasn't comfortable doing otherwise. And so those pep talks resulted in me doing certain things in my career, which have resulted in me getting to certain places in my career that just that, that wouldn't have been possible. Now, in, as I say that, right, the mentors that I've had, many of whom are female, are not just people that have given me advice and are just kind of using words to help me in certain situations. They are also ones that do something. They take action. And I think, you know, as people are listening to this podcast, I think, you know, number one, making sure that you have 
your board of directors, I call them, people who around you who help you with the decisions you make in your life. You know, you can call them mentors. Absolutely necessary to do. Absolutely necessary, I would say, to have both women and men. And absolutely necessary to have people who will not just talk the talk, they'll walk the walk, right? And so I owe these people, I owe my board of directors every single day that I wake up and, and I do this job. It just, not just because of the job that I'm in right now, but because even in the job I'm in right now, they are still providing advice to me um, and they're still helping me along that journey. So I know Lauren and I have a lot of conversations about mentorship just in our own reporting structure and on our team. I'll be curious now to hear kind of her point of view on this, but it's something that I value and I want to do for the people that are, that, you know, are surrounding me as well. Yeah, I can add to that from a different perspective, I think. First of all, I mean, obviously it's absolutely critical, I think, to have, like V mentioned, I don't think I'd be where I am. I know I wouldn't be where I am without many of the mentors that I've had. And again, they're both male and female. I think the other thing to highlight is that mentorship is not one direction, right? There's people reaching down to give you a hand and to promote you, but it's also about showing up, right? And putting in the work and also, especially in, I think, women-to-women mentorship, right? Someone else is putting in additional energy to lift you up and you should do everything you can to, to show that it's worth it, right? And sometimes that's providing insight, maybe, from where you're sitting and how things are, right? And sometimes it's really just the work product, um, especially if you do get a chance to, to work directly with some of these individuals. The other thing that I mentioned, and I guess this goes back to the course, right? There is something to be said about having a diversity of people around you in that board of directors, as you mentioned, right? And so I think it also, you know, as much as it's important for, you know, women to have both female and male mentors, it's also important for men to have both female and male mentors. And I think as we see, you know, more women ascend and have some of those leadership roles, right? It shouldn't just be they have to mentor women. If they're willing to put in the time and energy, they should also be mentoring men to, to help understand and cultivate that space. And like we said, you know, show what that type of leadership looks like and to, to show what that diversity of thought can look like as well. Yeah, great points. I want to zoom out now to more of an industry perspective. The U.S. Olympic movement is loaded with leading influential women powering that business forward. If you don't mind, could you take us behind the scenes and share the internal culture and the challenges too of leading from the top as a woman in sports and entertainment? So uh, within the Olympic and Paralympic movement, uh, you said it, we are absolutely loaded with women and and I'm pointing right to, to our athletes here. Right, uh, women make up a large portion, if not a majority, of our athletes, and not only do they show up, but they win. Right, so I think naturally that attracts individuals who understand the importance of, you know, supporting women in sport. I think you probably gain people who who also celebrate that. But more than that, if you don't understand or you don't know, you learn it really quickly. You can't argue with the numbers. He and I both love our stats and. The stats say that our women are, are top notch. So um, it naturally fosters a culture that supports women and wants to see them do well and think through, you know, how do we make change in this area to continue to, to set the bar on what that means for both our athletes, but then also everybody else who's watching them. So our fans, 
you know, who are super important to us, as well as, you know, young athletes who are in that pipeline who hopefully continue to make sure that Team USA is um, absolutely dominant across both genders. So I would start there. The throw it to yeah. you. The point that Lauren made you know, summarizes quite effectively why diversity makes so much sense in the movement. The movement itself is inclusive at its core, whether that's Team USA, whether that's just the values and the ideals of the Olympic and Paralympic movement, that's who we are. And so when something is kind of core to who you are, it, you know, it's sometimes we, we might actually take it for granted internally at how diverse our organization is because it's so much of our soul and of our makeup. You know, that being said, like, I'm not going to lie. I took this job. One of the reasons I took this job is because the company that I work for is being led by a female. You know, Kathy Carter is the CEO of our organization. That means something to me. Sarah Hirschland is the CEO of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee that I, you know, where Laura and I work with that team every single day. That means something to me. And it is a signal to, to me and hopefully the marketplace that, you know, the movement takes diversity it's very important it's it's serious to us and, and the seriousness is exampled by who we put as our leadership you know that being said like we're still at a point in time brian where this isn't going to happen naturally yet right we, we are not at a place where parity will happen just because and and i will i will say that because you know diversity hires diversity and like, like hires like, right? It's just natural with who we are as human beings. And so until like there's an equilibrium where there is 50% female representation in the industry that we work in, and I, I would say that we have a, a long way to go at all levels of that, of the organization, we still have to be very, very deliberate in making sure that our we are not attaching biases and we are putting women in, in positions of um, authority and leadership, and we are promoting women when when they need to be promoted. And it's something that, uh, you know, Laura and I take really seriously. We talk about quite a bit, and we need to. And and I would say that this still is going to happen for at least a couple more generations, where it has to be a topic of conversation. It has to be something that we we are deliberate about until we get to to an equilibrium where it starts to happen more naturally. Yeah, I want to close with a challenge or. I guess a goal here, what wins would each of you like to see for women's sports in the next 12 months and maybe on a bigger scale by the LA games in 28? So I'll take us back to the top of this when we talked about the investment in women's sports. And also I'll start with a big picture because within our job, we do tend to start at 28 and work backwards to make sure we hit those goals. So by 28, six years and beyond, right? We, I think you need to see a lot more of that investment, right? You'd also want to see that return and continued investment, right, in women's sports. And I think, you know, I, I do mean in terms of pure financial, you know, equity stakes and everything like that, but then also in some of the key commercial drivers, right? So um, thinking things through like media, right, is super important and seeing those dollars rise for the women's leagues that are out there, right? increasing or bettering the production quality so that they can continue to engage fans in very innovative and authentic ways. Um, and also demonstrating that, you know, it's high level competition. It's also fan focused competition and there's a real opportunity to lead in, in a variety of areas. So I think, you know, that's super important. Um, I would also think that we need to, in general, have more women's leagues, right? 
So not only about growing the ones that we have, but growing the, the ones that exist. I think right now across the majority of the industry, you have women working in men's sports and that's great. But I think the real you know test of equality is certainly thinking through women and men working for women's sports. And that's only gonna happen as we grow the number of you know professional properties that are out there. I'll throw one more thing into the mix. This is probably more of a short term, although we'd love to see it long term too. Um, I think there has to be an additional investment at the collegiate level. Uh, that's where a lot of the female athletes end their careers, unfortunately. And I think we can do a little bit more to make sure that one, they're maximizing that opportunity, but then two, giving them the tools to hopefully extend that career as well and that value. So things like NIL, which are taking place, was I think a, a great start. I think brands and properties and athletes are still figuring it out, but there's a really great opportunity there to continue to push it and support female athletes. You know, Brian, when I work with Lauren, she usually does this where she says things so well that I'm sitting here like, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. She's done it again. I, the, the only thing that I would say on top of what Lauren says is I always follow the money. And to Lauren's point, right? If there is investment happening in women's sports in technology that supports women participation and technology that supports women cons uh, female consumption, then I know that we are getting somewhere. So you're starting to see that right now. My hope that by LA28 is not only that it grows and it's sustainable investment in all of these areas, but that it's not making news anymore. Or at least it's not making news that it's like investment into women's sports. It's just an investment, like any other investment that would happen. I think that's where I'm hoping things will go is, is it, it's an investment that makes sense because it's going to yield a really great ROI and that is just known and it's not called out for something being done that's special. So fingers crossed, that's the hope. I think we're on our way. I think the money's starting. It's just, you know, does it continue to grow and does it become a natural thing for people to do without calling it something special? Well, an incredible conversation. I want to thank both of you for joining us. Thank you, Brian. This was a real joy and pleasure. Always good to chat with you through some of these things and, uh, you know, Hopefully it pushes the needle a little bit more. So thank you. Great to be here. Thank you, Brian. We had a great time as usual. So appreciate it. Zaylene Jan Muhammad, Head of Commercial Development and Innovation. And Lauren Young, Senior Associate at the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Properties joining us. Thank you for downloading Sports Business Journal's SBJ Presents podcast. Sponsored by the Mark H. McCormick Department of Sport Management in the Eisenberg School of Management at UMass Amherst. Music